This is The Guardian. Today, spectacular resignations, allegations of cheating, and accusations of secret devices hidden in, well, you'll find out. Unraveling the scandal that's shaking professional chess. This is going to be a clutch, clutch game for Magnus Carlsen and Hans Niemann. It's going to be an epic encounter. It's the 19th of September at the Julius Baer Generation Cup, a top-level online chess tournament. And one of the most closely watched matches all year is just starting. E D4 played, D4 on the board. Magnus goes knight f6. Moving first, using the white pieces, is the Norwegian Magnus Carlsen, the reigning five-time world champion, and a guy who's almost single-handedly made chess kind of cool. And against him is this crazy-haired, up-and-coming young American, Hans Niemann. This is his main move, D4, knight f6, c4, yeah, definitely. Neiman has just made his second move when Carlson does something shocking. Muchos rumores, mucho hablar. Abandona más Bruce Carlson. Abandona más Bruce Carlson. No me lo creo. Without warning, his screen freezes, then goes blank. Um, and Magnus has logged off. What has happened? The game between Hans and Magnus has got stuck. Lost. Lost. Magnus lost. The best player in the world quits the match just as it started. Magnus has resigned. Magnus has resigned the game wow. against Hans Niemann. Speechless, yeah? What to say? What to say, yeah? Then the story continues. What's happened in the weeks since has tipped professional chess into turmoil. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to one of the most epic chess recap videos that you will ever watch. Top players are arguing, experts are weighing in, fans are trading accusations, picking sides and sharing wild theories. We notice a big shoulder shrug indicating defensiveness, protecting the vulnerable neck. It seems that he would possibly fathom cheating in a real game. All of them asking, is one of the game's rising stars, a cheat. A lot of the things that are going around are, are just not true at all. I think that Hans exhibited a very good level of trust. And now, with the release of a sensational investigation just a few days ago, they're asking another question. Now the question is like, what happens now? I mean, what happens? Because of course- Is it possible he isn't the only one? Ay ay ay, ay ay ay. Um, what a disaster all around. Oy. From The Guardian, I'm Michael Safi. Today in Focus, the cheating scandal rocking the world of chess. Brian Graham, your Guardian US's deputy sports editor. And I want you to take me back to where this story begins a couple of weeks before that sensational moment when Magnus Carlsen resigned just a couple of minutes into his match with Hans Niemann. And it starts with another chess match between the same two players. Tell me about it. 
Well, it's the first week of September in the third round of the Sinkfield Cup, uh, a $500,000 over-the-board event staged in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, that's considered the, the most important chess tournament in North America. You've got Magnus Carlsen, 31-year-old world chess champion from Norway. He's drawn against Hans Niemann, the 19-year-old American who's, who's made this meteoric rise uh, into the world's top 50 in an incredibly short amount of time. Some might say suspiciously short. Carlson is entering this game on a 53-game unbeaten streak in classical over-the-board games. Right, so over-the-board, meaning face-to-face and not online. And for those of us like myself who don't follow chess very closely or, or at all, when you say a classical match, what does that mean? Classical is sort of the test of a champion. It's the, uh, it's the longest time controls, the long games. They can last, you know, five, six, seven hours um, as opposed to the much shorter games that are sort of become more popular in recent years. Okay, so it's sort of the test cricket of chess games. So tell me, how does this particular game play out? It's the wild cards. Magnus Carlsen, of course, not a stranger to be leading the Singfield Cup, but our newcomer, Hans Niemann Young at 19. Carlsen is playing with the white pieces, uh, which gives him the first move and at this level represents a significant advantage. Um, he opens with the queen's pawn. He moves his queen's pawn two spaces ahead. Starting with 1d4, no surprise there. Magnus has been a... It's a fairly uh, standard opening uh, aimed at controlling the center of the board. Neiman responds by building into something called the Nimzo Indian defense. With the move knight c3, yeah. no Catalans and an invitation. Yeah. Let's dance in a Nimzo. It's a well-known familiar strategy. Uh, Carlson responds to this with something called the Fianchetto variation. But to this, Neiman responds with an even more obscure counter. And Hans Neiman saying, why do you guys think you can target me? No, 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 no. Hans Neiman is targeting them. Are wow. you kidding me? Look at this. That costs Carlson a crucial pawn uh, and moves the action into very unfamiliar territory. That's probably as bad a, a, a body posture I've seen on Magnus in ages. I mean, he's just like... Uh, yeah, this is, this is not great, yeah. This yeah. is not great. He's not enjoying this. and uh, Not at all. Carlson, very clearly frustrated, uh, finally resigns, very shockingly, after 57 moves. There we have it. Wow. What a result. What wow. a result, guys. Truly. Wow. Okay, I have no idea what those moves are, but it sounds like Neiman, this young challenger, who seemingly came out of nowhere, was able to execute this really complex strategy to break the winning streak of a world champion. And this must have been a huge upset, right? Anytime Magnus Carlsen, you know, who's widely regarded as, you know, one of the best, if not the best player, uh, loses with the white pieces, it's a seriously newsworthy event just on its own. Uh, but the fact that it happened against uh, Hans Neiman, the lowest rated player in this tournament, made it even more extraordinary. Um, a, a correspondent for Chess24 who was covering uh, the match said it may go down as a turning point in chess history, which you know sounds hyperbolic, but honestly, in the context of the match, it might have been uh, on target. And so what happens in the aftermath of that upset? How do the two men react? Well, Neiman clearly, uh, after sort of this career best win, was in high spirits. 
And he was no shrinking violet in his post-game interviews. I think he's just so demoralized because he's losing to such an idiot like me. You know, it's just, uh, it must be embarrassing for the world champion to lose to me. However, in his elation, um, Neiman did sort of volunteer some information that raised some suspicions about his victory. Um, he you know, said he was so comfortable responding to Carlson's Fianchetto variation because he reviewed this four-year-old game that very same morning where Carlson played the same thing. Um, it turns out that match never even happened. That game never even happened. Uh, and you know, to savvy observers, that only added to the suspicion. On the other hand, Carlson, uh, meanwhile, withdrew from the tournament the very next day. That's the very first time he's ever withdrawn from a major event in progress. And it's, you know, a virtually unprecedented action for a sitting world champion. And in doing so, he tweeted this simple announcement of his withdrawal uh, with a video of the football manager, Josie Mourinho, saying, I prefer really not to speak. If I speak, I'm in big trouble. About the red cards. I prefer really not to, um, not to speak. If I speak, I am in, in big trouble. In big trouble. It was uh, interpreted by the community as an accusation of cheating without being able to say it, uh, whether it's for legal reasons, whether it's for decorum reasons. Um, but I think Carlson wanted to make a statement without actually coming out and saying the words. So he's accusing Neiman of cheating without actually accusing him. Yes, I think, um, you know, whether it's a matter of him not having concrete proof, whether it being purely based on his intuition, uh, he believes that what happened in that match um, was not completely on the over. The next day, Neiman did admit he had cheated in the past uh, in online events with the help of computer assistance, first as a 12-year-old in an online tournament, and then as a 16-year-old playing in unrated games while he was streaming. But he's insisted uh, very clearly that he was now, quote-unquote, clean. In an absolutely ridiculous mistake, in unrated games, after that, I had, another when I was 12, I've never, ever in my life cheated in an over-the-board game, in an online tournament, they were in unrated games. And I'm admitting this, and, and, and I'm saying my truth because I do not want any misrepresentation. I am proud of myself that I learned from that mistake and now have given everything to chess. So we have this pretty huge insinuation from Carlson, followed by a really striking admission of past guilt from Neiman. And Brian, it's fascinating to me that this very quickly became a global news story. Is there a cheating scandal in the big leagues of international chess? It's a scandal rocking the chess world. Growing allegations that 19-year-old chess star Hans Niemann has cheated his way through the ranks. Okay, I'm I'm really fascinated by the drama within the story. Yeah. And I think that really says something about modern chess and what an industry it's become. Tell me about how big the game is now and how it got to be this way. I think often people have pointed to the popularity of the Netflix show, The Queen's Gambit, uh, you know, and the effects of COVID lockdowns, getting people back into the game. Um, But I think the wheels behind this present day chess boom um, have been in motion for quite some time before that. Um, As my colleague Sean Engel wrote in The Guardian this week, a lot of it is down 
to Magnus Carlsen himself, um, you know, who was considered the world's best player even before he won the world championship in 2013 when he was 22 years old. You know, Carlson is young, he's winning, he's engaging. What would the first sentence of your autobiography be? I'm not a genius. And what would the title of your autobiography be? Magnus Carlson, chess genius, I don't know. <laughs> he's done a bit of modeling work for G-Star and, you know, for a decade now he's been the face of a sport that, you know, runs very counter to that old stereotype, as you say, of, you know, socially awkward, maybe unhealthily obsessive men. I would say, uh, keeping that in mind, I would say my favorite player from the past is probably myself, like three, four years ago. Um, but beyond Carlson, even more so, I would say it's the rise of these chess streamers on online platforms like Twitch, you know, which were ostensibly designed for live streaming of video games. Um, that have made this sort of 2,500-year-old game very improbably a popular eSport. Um, Hikaru Nakamura, the American Grandmaster, um, has amassed you know, an estimated network of worth of $50 million through streaming his Blitz and Bullet games and gossiping about the latest drama in the chess world. Um, you know, and that's far more than he ever would have earned on the traditional tournament circuit even 10 years ago. And, and he's just one of many. There's a whole wave of chess streamers that have really sort of um, created this sort of younger, hipper environment around the game. Okay, and it's into this new rock star version of chess that Magnus Carlsen makes this veiled accusation that the man who beat him, who broke this 53-game winning streak of his, did so potentially by cheating. How did fans of chess react to that? Well, in the absence of, you know, an explicit accusation, it sort of leaves the fans who do congregate around these online communities, whether it's Twitch, whether it's Reddit, whether it's TikTok, you know, to fill in the blanks. I think it is safe to say that Hans is currently uh, innocent, and I hope that... And in a lot of cases, um, speculation running rampant. never played the G3 Nimzo ever. Wait, well, wait a second. I mean, he's never played G3 and Hans is claiming... That Hans Lehmann wasn't supposed to play this event. It was supposed to be Richard Report, who was unable to travel to the United States for whatever reason, and they brought in Hans Lehmann. Hans has a history of cheating in chess, a recently acquired accent, and there's many things about his behavior and the evidence that do not add up. So we're going to break down his body language and behavior. Theories that start out of, as jokes, you know, in the case of you know, Neiman possibly benefiting from vibrating anal beads. That's probably a good one, right? An anal bead probably would beat the thing. I, I'm serious. If the engine, I, <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. Like, think about it. I, I don't know. Sorry, vibrating anal beads. <laughs> yes, I'm, it sounds laughable. Uh, but the principle is simple. You know, if a player is working with an accomplice on the outside, who is watching the game live with access to a chess engine and able to send some kind of signal, that's all they need. Right, okay. So it's against this very strange backdrop of speculation, wild theories, and the chess world divided that, lo and behold, at a tournament two weeks later, Carlsen and Neiman face off again, this time online, in that match that I described at the beginning of this, where Carlsen played just one move to
turned the screen off and resigned. And people took this as a kind of protest by Carlson, but he didn't actually say anything about it for more than a week when he released a statement where finally he formally made the accusation that everybody had been guessing at for weeks. What did he say? What he said was, you know, quote, I believe Neiman has cheated more and more recently than he has publicly admitted. His over-the-board progress has been unusual. And through our game at the Sinkfield Cup, which is the match from two weeks before, um, I had the impression that he wasn't tense or even fully concentrating on the game in critical positions while outplaying me as black in a way I think only a handful of players can do. Interesting. So it sounds like he isn't exactly accusing Neiman of cheating in their real-life match three weeks earlier, but he does think there was a little bit of suspicious behaviour. But what he's definitely saying is that in Neiman's online career, he's cheated more and more recently than Neiman has admitted so far in public. Tell me a little bit about cheating in chess. How do people go about doing it? Well, it's far easier to cheat in online games. You know, as as mentioned, uh, there are freely available chess engines that will almost instantaneously supply a player with the optimal move. I mean, you can, these, these can be downloaded to any cell phone. They're very easy to find. Computer processing has gotten so sophisticated at this point that a chess engine on any smartphone could beat the strongest player in the world, even Magnus Carlsen. So to cheat in an online game, It could be as simple as having that program open on your phone or a different browser window. Um, It's more difficult over the board um, in person. So clearly, cell phones aren't allowed in the playing hall and tournaments take the steps to scan players for any electronic devices. But the question is, can you detect everything? You know, what if a player has a device in their ear or in some cases in their tooth? Um, You know, there's obviously the theory about the anal beads uh, vibrating If a player is working with an accomplice on the outside um, who doesn't even need to be a chess master, who's just watching the game and entering these moves into these engines, um, and that person is able to send some kind of signal, that's all a player needs. The margins are so tight in these games at this level of chess. You know, it doesn't even need to be something as complicated as Morse code or, you know, one buzz for a knight, two buzzes for a bishop. You know, just being aware, just being notified that there's some available move on the board at a, at a crucial juncture of the game could give the player that's benefiting from that information a significant advantage. Um, that's all an elite grandmaster would need to find it and you know create a decisive advantage. Interesting. And has that kind of cheating happened? Like, Do we know of cases where people have worn devices to try to give them a clue, a decisive advantage in a game? I mean, one of the most recent high-profile cases uh, involved uh, three French players who were sort of found guilty of this sophisticated conspiracy to cheat at the 2010 Chess Olympiad. Uh, It ended with one of the players, Sebastian Fayet, um, getting a six-month suspended prison sentence, in fact. Um, And even during the 2006 World Chess Championship, the number one player in the world, Topolov, accused Kramnik of going to the toilet too often during play. Maybe Kramnik has been visiting the restroom a little too often. That's right. And says, somebody needs to go in there with him. Right. We're thinking maybe something's going on. Right. Of course, he's talking computer assistance. Of course. Against a gentleman like Kramnik. Right. I mean, people took sides immediately. Right. Nothing actually came of that. But I mean, just the suspicion of that, you know, it became known as Toilet Gate. Um, Just the suspicion of players, you know, um, the paranoia is just so rampant and it's such a mental game that, um, 
you know, it, it can actually do a player in. All right. And so at the beginning of this week, who would you say was winning the battle for public opinion among fellow professionals and chess experts? Were they broadly on the side of Carlson, thinking that Neiman was a bit dodgy? Or did they think that Carlson was maybe something of like a sore loser, unable to accept that he was beaten fair and square by someone younger and much less experienced? I would say the opinion at the top of the week was somewhat divided. I mean, the great champion Gary Kasparov was among the most prominent voices to criticize Carlson for levying these allegations. You know, again, the gravest accusation that one player can make on another um, with nothing more than circumstantial evidence. Um, and actually, the president of the World Chess Governing Body, FIDA, uh, criticized Carlson for his actions and, and basically cited the, the, quote, moral responsibility attached to his status as the world chess champion, um, saying there were better ways to handle the situation. Um, the idea is that Carlson should not be able to make these charges based on the intuition that something is not quite right, even if it is the intuition of, you know, the greatest player who ever lived. However, for many people... The fact that Neiman did admit to cheating in the past has led to this prevailing sentiment of, you know, once a cheater, always a cheater. You know, essentially, the community is left with two possibilities. A, that Neiman is this once-in-a-lifetime anomaly, this, this sort of late-blooming, lightning-in-a-bottle talent whose ascent to the upper pantheon of the sport is quite literally off the charts. Or B, he's a player who's admitted to cheating in the past, who's simply doing it again. And then, Brian, on Tuesday, we learned something new that has changed the way lots of people think about those two options that you just laid out. What happened? Well, on Tuesday, Chess.com, who's been involved with this from the start, um, finally released the results of a 72-page investigation um, that has determined that Neiman, quote, likely received illegal assistance in more than 100 online games as recently as 2020, uh, when he was 17, um, so fairly recently, um, including events where prize money was at stake. So they're saying that in addition to the handful of games that he's admitted to cheating in, they say he's cheated in potentially a hundred more games, that he's been a serial cheater, at least when it comes to online chess. How did they make that conclusion? How did they decide that he had cheated so often? Um, Well, Chess.com made a very exhaustive review of his past games um, using a set of sophisticated sort of cheat detection tools. Um, They actually go through these in the report, and um, and, and there's many of them, but I think four of the strongest ones um, are sort of these analytics that compare his moves to the, the, the moves that are recommended by chess engines. Uh, another one is a sort of study of his past performance and his strength profile. Another is monitoring his behavior, um, such as players opening up other browsers while they're playing. That's obviously a big one. And I think crucially, um, they incorporate the in- input um, from grandmasters, other grandmasters who are 
sort of installed as fair play analysts. And that sort of takes, um, that adds the human element to it. So, uh, you know, they, they're able to sort of um, take a look at the games and sort of maybe notice patterns and things that the computers might miss. So with this combination of computers and grandmasters studying his games, they've concluded that in a lot of these games, he actually played too well. I mean, far better than he had ever shown he had the ability to do. Well, absolutely. I mean, um, even even in the days before this uh, Chess.com report came out, um, the French grandmaster Yosha Iglesias published a video uh, showing that Neiman has had a very unusually high number of perfect games where his moves corresponded to the computer engine suggestion at a 100% rate. Now, even people like Carlson and, you know, the top players in the world, very often that rate, you know, because they are sort of operating with the human's intuition, very often that rate is closer to 80%, 85%, because you don't always play that perfect move that a computer might make because a computer can see 40 moves down the road, something that humans can't see that far. Um, But Neiman was playing the engine move. He was playing the computer move very often, 100% of the time, which, you know, it's, again, it's not a smoking gun. It's not concrete evidence, but it's, it's, it's fairly compelling circumstantial evidence. Okay, but I remember that this whole saga started because of the way that Hans Neiman had beaten Magnus Carlsen, and that was in an in-person game. Did this report have anything to say about whether Neiman had cheated in that game? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, listen, while stopping short of concluding that Neiman has cheated in over-the-board games, which Chess.com admits in the report that it's not equipped to do, uh, the report describes his rise as, quote-unquote, statistically extraordinary. Neiman did gain 350 rating points, an extraordinary amount, in four years. He sort of made this astonishing surge from 2,500 to 2,600 in the rankings in just three months. Um, That's not normal, especially so relatively late in a player's career. Um, There is no evidence of cheating, but they did point to this sort of very, very meteoric rise and suspicious things about it um, as another sort of piece of uh, circumstantial evidence in the case against him. I mean, to me, it's pretty shocking that such a prominent player has been accused of cheating full stop, let alone in over 100 games. Did the report say how common it was for players at that level to potentially cheat? Well, I think one of the biggest bombshells from the report is that, you know, it revealed that dozens of grandmasters have been caught cheating uh, and ensnared by chess.com's cheat detection software or programming. uh, Dozens? Yeah, dozens, including four of the the current top 100 in the world, um, all of whom confessed when they were approached and confronted with the evidence. Um, And, you know, I think... People were always aware that this is a problem um, that isn't going away, that's probably impossible to completely snuff out. But this was really um, quite an eye-opener. Coming up, what's next for Hans Niemann? And what's next for chess? Chess. 
Brian, as a chess fan, what was your reaction to finding out that it wasn't just Neiman who had potentially cheated, but actually it was these grandmasters, some of the best players in the world, unable to resist the temptation online to, to use a chess engine just to give them that decisive edge? I think we've always been aware that cheating is an issue um, and will continue to be an issue. Um, but one of the points that really stood out from the report to me is that Neiman admitted um, in his confession um, that there is a financial incentive to his cheating purely with respect to his streaming revenue. You know, according mm. to the report, he told chess.com, quote, having a higher rating would mean people tune into more of my streams when I'm battling Hikaru or Danya or Eric. I need people to believe I'm a worthy rival to follow and subscribe. That's really interesting because you were telling me earlier that chess is having this real moment in large part because of technology, because of streaming, because of the fact that so many more people can play competition chess online than at any time before. But then this scandal, it sounds like it's rooted in the same thing. The fact that online it's so much easier to cheat and because of all of the money that's now involved, there are also suddenly huge incentives to do so. I would agree. I think that uh, not unlike other sports, um, you know, who are in this perpetual battle with performance enhancing substances, um, it is unclear whether it's even possible to completely eradicate the potential of cheating. You know, of course, the performance enhancing substance in this case is information the transmission of information. I mean, chess players study hours upon hours, study books, study old games of the past going back hundreds of years to generate ideas, to generate human creativity and imagination. Um, and if all that can be wiped away and beaten by the simple transmission of a piece of information from a computer, it completely doesn't just create an uneven playing field, but it completely blows up the concept of fair play. And it's, it, it's just so easy. And when there is this much money at stake, you know, it's, it's only going to invite it even further. Well, Brian, Hans Neiman spoke after another match he was involved in on Wednesday for the first time since that chess.com report that accused him of cheating. And you'd have to say he sounded pretty defiant. You know, this entire thing started with me saying chess speaks for itself. And uh, I think this game spoke for itself. And uh, showed uh, the chess player that I am, and uh, it also showed that um, I'm not going to back down and I'm going to play my best chess here uh, regardless uh, of the pressure that I'm under. And that's all I have to say about this game. And, uh, you know, chess speaks for itself, you know, that's all I can say. Where does he go from here? Well, you know, as far as tournament play, if the stain of this, con of this cheating scandal sticks to Hans Niemann, I mean, it will absolutely affect his ability to enter the top events. I mean, he will effectively be blackballed from, you know, any tournament worth playing. Either A, because tournament organizers don't want to associate with a confirmed cheater if he is found to have cheated. Or B, because a lot of the top players with Magnus Carlsen taking the lead refuse to play against him. So if they allow him into the tournament a lot of other top players will refuse to play if they do go on to follow Magnus's lead. So, you know, he effectively becomes sort of a radioactive uh, entity, which is very unfortunate at the age of 19. But, you know, cheating is the gravest infraction in this sport. Whether that uh, will affect his uh, um, career as a streamer, you know, that's ultimately up for the public to decide. 
Brian, you've told me about how chess has grown really rapidly into what is now a multi-million dollar industry, this ancient game that's been adopted by a new generation of online stars. But what are the stakes of a scandal like this? How damaging could it be to chess's newfound popularity? You know, as far as, you know, watching the sort of elite professional players, um, I do think there will be, you know, there's probably going to be a short-term impact. But again, cheating is almost as old as the game itself. You know, there's there's these legends going back centuries, you know, across many cultures of disputes that have led to bloodshed. You know, in the 18th century, there was a machine in Europe known as the Mechanical Turk that, you know, purported to be able to defeat human opponents. It even beat Napoleon and Benjamin Franklin. Uh, only later it was discovered there was a human inside. You know, there's these sort of stories that have gone through the generations with chess, you know, um, people that have used all these, all kinds of methods to sort of swindle and deceive opponents. And if I feel like if it's survived this long, um, it's probably got some legs. Brian, thank you very much. Oh, thank you very much. That was Brian Graham, who covers sport for Guardian US. Thank you very much to him. And that's it for today. This episode was produced by Josh Kelly and Alex Atak. Sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producer was Phil Maynard. And we're back Monday. This is The Guardian.